Hey, this is Alan, a.k.a. Horatio. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. The only thing I have done consistently before I brush my teeth, before I get on Facebook, before I turn on the news, before I make my bed, before I do anything, it's on awakening. I just carry that whole thing through. And in doing that, I have found that I have gone through the first 11 steps in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast with your hosts, Michael L. and Lee M. On this show, we try to bring some inspiration through interviews with members of the recovery community through the lens of the Daily Reflection book. Each day, a new inspirational passage and a conversation with someone from the recovery community. We are not affiliated with any 12-step or recovery program, but you will hear them mentioned throughout the course of an interview. On today's show, Alan, a.k.a. Horatio, from Somerville, South Carolina. Before we get to the show, if you want to support the podcast, you can help us by providing a rating or a comment on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast network you're using to listen to the show. You can also give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Interact with us on the Facebook community. You can find us there at facebook.com slash groups slash daily reflection podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Good morning, Lee. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great this morning. How are you, Mike? I'm fantastic. Who's in the studio today? So very excited today. I have a home group member, Alan, a.k.a. Horatial, currently from Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, it is April 10th. So he's here to share with us on the Daily Reflection for April 10th, which is called Growing Up. Fantastic. Well, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, this is April 10th, Daily Reflections, Growing Up. The essence of all growth is a willingness to change for the better and then an unremitting willingness to shoulder whatever responsibility this entails. It comes from As Bill Sees It, page 115. Sometimes when I've become willing to do what I should have been doing all along, I want praise and recognition. I don't realize that the more I am willing to act differently, the more exciting my life is. The more I am willing to help others, the more rewards I receive. That's what practicing the principles means to me. Fun and benefits for me in the willingness to do the actions, not to get immediate results. Being a little kinder, a little slower to anger, a little more loving makes life a little better day by day. Yes, indeed. Awesome. Thanks for reading. Alan, as you read this, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? First thing that comes to mind for me when I read this is gratitude. Gratitude, especially for a gentleman who sponsored me at two years when uh, when I left my original home group there in Maryland. It was uh, Richard G. He passed away about five and a half years ago. And uh, this is the man who took me to the next phase of my development, right past those infantile two years. You know, when I really thought that uh, I had all my all my stuff together, and then I relocated and, and found myself again um, needing help. And this gentleman appeared, and one of the first readings he, uh, he pulled out and had me read was uh, this page coming from page 115, and as Bill sees it, this just carried me through these past eight years. My sobriety date is 111 of 2011. I do have a home group. Um, I do have a sponsor. 
and uh, practice the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous to the best of my ability. I continue to help others in the same way that have been giving me help. And, you know, this, this gentleman, when he walked into my life, it was just an absolute, uh, I don't know where I'd be today without his guidance and direction. It's just been something that I say with good sponsorship that's, uh, that's ingrained and imprinted. Um, and it's really riddled throughout my sobriety. I'd say this is probably the biggest blessing of alcoholics that I've received in recovery. An alcoholic like myself, it's actually a, a curse as well because um, it's pretty strong. Um, it's a it's a pretty strong commitment, not only to myself, but to the fellowship um, that has really saved my life. And uh, I would like to read the entire uh, passage, if that's possible. And the entire passage um, starts off with, let us never fear needed change. Certainly, we have to discriminate between changes for the worse and changes for the better. But once a need becomes clearly apparent in an individual, in a group, or in AA as a whole, it has long since been found out that we cannot stand still and look the other way. The essence of all growth is a willingness to change for the better and then an unremitting willingness to shoulder whatever responsibility this entails. And that comes from a great bite of July, 1966. And it's just a, you know, it's just a very powerful read. Fantastic. I'm glad you chose that. And I'm glad you read the entire passage. It's inspiring. It has me thinking about the depths that someone has to go to in order to feel that these things are necessary. So tell me a little bit about what was happening for you back in 2011, early 2011, when you came into the program. Um, 2011. I know our third tradition states that the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. I'm going to be honest. I've never had, I've never ever once had a desire not to drink or not to use Today, I do have a desire for this way of life more than I do for that drink or that drug. And um, that's probably the only crossroad that I find in today's fellowship. But in December of 2010, I found myself in front of a court in Montgomery County, Maryland, convicted of four felonies and um, it was theft of 1,003 theft schemes on one, immediately rendered me homeless unemployed, unemployable. Everything I owned now was in two garbage bags. And uh, I was let out on a suspended sentence um, with uh, three years attached to all four of those felonies. And part of the conditions of that uh, release was um, I had to complete one, I had to successfully complete one year of probation. And I had to pay back $5,000 in restitution. I had never ever done that through the course of my life. I had never paid back anybody, anything. And um, I had never completed probation. I believe at that period of time, I had just outlasted my probation. And that was over a 14 year period of time. So I knew I was up against the impossible and I was riddled with fear. Um, I had actually locked myself in a hotel room in Frederick, Maryland for three days on a weekend definitely afraid to open that door did not want to call my dealer at that period of time and i just i just didn't i didn't care to drink i was given like an ultimatum by an ex-girlfriend of mine to check in to treat me or she was going to leave me there 
and uh, I reluctantly uh, checked into Avery Road Treatment Center in Rockville, Maryland. I mentioned that because that place right there was uh, my saving grace, uh, January uh, 10th of 2011. I would like to say that January 10th would be my sobriety date, but you know, when you check in a treatment, they're going to ask you, do you need to detox? And of course I needed to detox. So I took those meds and those meds made me utterly sick that next day. And I said, no more. Um, so January 11th of 2011 is my sobriety date. That fear that I had that whole first year of fear and a panic and that sense of impending doom. Like I knew I was out for 12 months or 365 days and I believe in that period of time, I even knew how many hours I had of freedom left um, because, again, I had never completed probation and I'd never paid back anything. And, uh, you know, this was not my first go around in recovery in 1988. I was able to put together eight years. I just figured, you know, it didn't work before. It wasn't going to work this time. You know, all my scorecards read zero. I still had a $20 bill left in my name and I was going to call my dealer. I was going to tell him I was $2 short because I was going to get a 22 ounce Miller light and I was going to figure my life out. A meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous at Rockville Metro Club in uh, Rockville, Maryland. And uh, I met a gentleman that literally had recognized me from sober time before. And he said, man, why don't you just come join us? And I did. And that fear and panic i think that deep breath that just someone said come join us that deep breath was the little bit of the little bit of release from the edge of anxiety that i needed but that just wasn't enough i mean there was still a lot of fear that i had to work i had to walk through and thank god i had a sponsor that i was delivered a sponsor <laughs> i would say i was delivered a sponsor who knew about me and my condition and he was able to penetrate all that delusion and denial that was sitting in front of me. You know, he, he basically just said, Hey man, I, I know what you're going through. I know the fear that you're about to walk through. Um, but I'm here to walk through it with you. Just trust and believe in the process. And he, I mean, he kind of jokingly he said, what the hell do you have to lose, man? He goes, you're going to do 12 years in prison. If you, if this doesn't work. And, um, I just followed his lead. You know, I still lean on that guy um, still today. I like to tell everybody his name is Norm W. And that's where I'm going to leave it because he's still alive and kicking. <laughs> but if you run into him, just tap him on the shoulder and say, there's a guy named Horatio that says, thank you. It's clear that your life has changed since those times. You want to talk a little bit about the process of recovery and, and how your life has changed as a result of that? You know, in, in step two, it talks about disbelief and faith. And um, I find myself in there, you know, the devout one, the, 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 the bewildered one, the, the egotistical one, the, the, the one who is self-righteous and indignant. That is me to the core in every area of my life. And this general patience and tolerance to work with me through this whole process, he hand walked me through the this 12-step process of recovery that we find in this fellowship and mine kind of looked like this um 
I would get suggestions from this gentleman, like make your bed at this men's homeless shelter I was living in that I kept getting put on restriction for um, because I would leave my shower shoes tucked outside of my bed and I would be so angry and belligerent that I would just call him on the phone and be like, I can't go to the eight o'clock meeting tonight. Not like I was gung ho for recovery. I just did not want to be in this men's homeless shelter at eight o'clock at night. And he was like, well, what's the problem? I tell him the problem. He'd be like, well, go make your bed. And I just begrudgingly ran in one day and I, man, I vacuumed that carpet. Like I never vacuumed a carpet before. Not like I wanted the carpet to be clean, but I just wanted to beat the hell out of this vacuum cleaner. And miraculously, I kept that room that way for the six months. And he turned around. He said, I guess you're keeping your room clean, aren't you? And I was like, why? He goes, because you've been able to go to eight o'clock meetings for the last six months. And I was like, oh, wow, you're really paying attention. He said, yeah, you've taken some other suggestions. You're not going to let me know that you've taken, but I'm keeping a watchful eye on you. And through this whole process, we were doing this thing called a 10th step. Um, even before we even did steps one, two, and three, we were doing a 10th step. And my 10th step looked like, let me come to you throughout the day, especially in the evening, and tell you what it was like. And he would give me a suggestion, and I would take that suggestion, and all of a sudden, I wouldn't have that issue anymore. And I'd go to the probation office, and I'd be like, yeah, but they're going to have me like they're gonna have to take the urinalysis thing. He goes, Well, don't you take it at the men's homeless shelter? I was like, Yeah, he's like, So what's your problem? If you're not drinking and you're not using, just go. But see, that's not a part of my history. My part of my history is hoping and praying that I'm gonna pass this urinalysis. I would do this stuff and then we would work on some other things, and then all of a sudden he introduces me to this third step deal where you know we get on our knees and we say this prayer. And then the promise really starts to happen. That third step promise, the one that talks about, you know, when we sincerely took such an approach, all sorts of remarkable things happened. We had a new employer, you know, that promise, like the meat and potatoes promise of like all the promises, in my opinion. And then he hands me this pen, and this piece of paper. He has me go off and start writing my fourth step. And so I show up with this half empty homework assignment. And we sit there for about two hours and he's writing and I'm talking and he's talking and he's writing and I'm talking and he's writing. And I'm like, why are you writing so much? And he turns this thing around and all my penmanship in there was the first two columns, you know, who I'm resentful at and why I'm resentful. All his writing was my part in it and how it affected me. And I was like, well, how do you how do you know that much about me? He goes, no, you know that much about you. You're just afraid to put it down on paper. I was like, wow, for the first time, I exposed myself. It's not like somebody else exposed me. I exposed myself. He put it on paper so I could see me for me. He helped me walk through all of that ick so that I could see clearly what it is that I was going to allow God to work with. That first year, some things just happened. I went in front of that same judge in Montgomery County, Maryland after that year, and I had uh, paid back $5,000 in restitution. Asian officer stood up in front of that judge and said I had successfully completed probation for the first time in my life. 
And that judge turned around and overturned all four felony convictions. And I got to plead down to two misdemeanors. My life just has not looked the same since. Um, it's been a series of just walking through. But this 12-step process, especially that fourth step, every part of my life that I've been able to find someone to walk me through that fourth step process has just blossomed my life. I'm not unemployed. I'm not unemployable. Um, I have a security clearance. I can work on the ports here in Charleston. Like who would ever think that I'd be able to work on a shipping port here? I've been a United States federal government employee again through the United States Department of Veterans Affairs. Um, I work at the finest steakhouse in Charleston. I own two homes here. One is a recovery home. And this is coming from someone who did not ever want to get sober and had never been on staying sober. The freedom that I have cannot be expressed. The freedom to be me, freedom to, to build relationships with people that I normally would not look in the eyes is just absolutely incredible. That's what my life looks like today. Wow. That's a beautiful story. So powerful. It's just a reminder again, like that when we get into action, when we express a willingness and then we do the things that the results follow like every single time. I loved how you had a wonderful human being to walk you through the process of, of growing up as the reflection says, you know, it really was teaching. It sounds to me like what you were learning to do was how to be a grown up. We've talked about you and in, in your in your process and what your life is like now, but I know you do a lot of service work. So talk to us a little bit about the process of growing up as it relates to now taking the focus off ourselves and onto others. Why would anybody want to do this? I do it because there's a lot of musts in the literature. And a lot of people say there's no must, but there is one big must. And it says that you know, every day is a day where I must carry this in every aspect of my life. Like I said before, I, I cherish this way of life. This way of life right here is coveted uh, possessions that um, I have. And you guys tell me that the only way that I can keep it is to give it away. For me, I do it because I want to keep it. My specialty is really on the on the front lines of things, um, getting out and meeting those people in the streets, behind the dumpsters, um, in the parks. Um, you know, call, when when families call, coming and meeting these folks, going into hospitals, um, seeing how sick this disease or this disease. It's a disease. It's a spiritual sickness. And I, I, I like meeting those people right where they are. One, because it's a, it's, a, it's a reminder for me on where this disease can take me. Two, it's because the gift of recovery can start there. It does not have to start when we get out of those, those facilities. There's a, there's a bridge that needs to be gapped. And I like to be that bridge. Um, that that's just there to let people know that, you know, there's a life outside of, of not just drinking and, uh, and drug in the way that a lot of us do drink and drugs. So I, I call myself more of a front lines guy, you know, and that's, uh, 
I know what it's like to to get that phone call at three o'clock in the morning and says, "Hey, I need help," and it's because I've handed out a business card, and uh, you know my phone stays on twenty four hours just for that reason. So that's 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 what service work is to me. My first sponsor, he was uh, my first and second sponsor, cut from the same mold. Both of them said, uh, "If it's convenient, it's not service work." I get it when it's not convenient. Three o'clock in the morning is not too convenient. I want to thank you for spending time with us and sharing your experience, strength, and hope. It's been a wonderful conversation. Is there anything else you'd like to say in parting? For those that are out there that may want what I call the cliff notes of Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm just going to share with you a, a practice that has never ever left me and this is a pretty funny story this first sponsor sponsor guy he uh he told me if i read pages 80 he told me what he wanted me to do is read pages 86 through uh 88 in the morning and maybe this might help me out so i started i read it was like on a sunday he gave this to me so i read it and that sunday we met at a meeting and i told him i said well i finished uh i finished reading this he said, um, now do the simple instructions that are in there. And I was like, what instructions? And he literally stopped. And it starts off with on awakening. Let us think about the 24 hours ahead. And he stopped and he paused. And I said, well, there's more to this. He said, man, he said, think about the 24 hours ahead. And he said, we consider our plans for the day. He said, before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. And he showed me a way that works just through pages 86 through 88. I get to the second sponsorship guy after doing this thing for two years. I get to the second sponsorship guy, Richard G. in Charleston. He goes through an inventory of my first two years. And I'm thinking the minute I tell him that I've been doing this on awakening for two years, he'll be like, oh, okay, let's move on to the next one. No, this guy said, oh, man, that guy was brilliant. Why don't you continue to do it? For nine and a half years, the only thing I have done consistently before I brush my teeth before I get on Facebook, before I turn on the news, before I make my bed, before I do anything, it's on awakening. I just carry that whole thing through. And in doing that, I have found that I have gone through the first 11 steps in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous in about 12 minutes, if I say the prayers. And the promise of that whole deal is it works. It really does. And it says we alcoholics are undisciplined. So we allow God to discipline us in a simple way we have just outlined. And I used to think discipline was cracking the whip. And today, that is just the easier, softer way. It is such a reprieve just to wake up first thing and let God do what God does best. Discipline me. Thank you all for having me today. Thank you so much. Thanks for sharing, Alan. That's amazing. Beautiful share. Thanks so much for listening. 
If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Reflection Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day.